0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, I invite you to open your Bibles or your devices to Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to continue in this amazing prophetic book found in the Old Testament written about 2,600 years ago. Now, last week we took a little break from it as Clark preached for me, did an excellent job. I'd like to commend him on a beautiful message from James chapter 1. And and I'll make this point that his message from James chapter 1 parallels with the same stuff we're talking about. And this is what's cool about God. Uh, Whether you look back 2,600 years ago, or 3,000 years ago, or 2,000 years ago, or today, God's Word is always consistent and it's always true and it's always timely. It is the theonoustos is what it's called in the Greek. It's the breath of God. It is eternal and it never changes. It never moves. Its its message is like a, a ribbon that just runs from the beginning to the end and it never changes. And so you can build your life on the Word of God with it as your foundation. And so... Uh, I was reminded this morning, when I, when I miss preaching, I hate missing preaching. I love to preach. I, I, I didn't ask to be called to preach. God called me to preach, and I love that He called me. I love to preach. When I don't preach, I, I miss it, but I enjoy hearing other people preach. I, I just love God's Word, and I love to hear how people convey it. But last week, I had a little girl in her church, uh, Raylan Arnold is who it is, and she noticed that I wasn't preaching, and I was out front. She said, are you not preaching? And I said, well, no, not today. And she said, why? And I said, well, I'd like to let other people practice their preaching and let God develop their gift as well. She goes, "Uh, oh, well, you're supposed to be preaching. And I said, okay. And she said, because didn't you start the church? I said, well, that would be Jesus, but yeah, I, I, I'm supposed to preach. And so I'm back. Okay, I'm back, and I'm glad that I'm back, and I'm glad that she thinks I'm supposed to be preaching. You know, that's actually good, and she's right. I'm supposed to be preaching. And so uh, we talked about in the first half of Daniel two weeks ago, uh, the first 13 verses, we talked about the fact that God is in control. Okay, now let me just pause right there and encourage you a little bit. You may live in a world right now that's a little bit upside down. In fact, you do live in a world that's a little upside down. We have an election year, yeehaw. Okay, we have a pandemic, yeehaw. That's a moving target, both of those, and and maybe it's affected your world. Maybe just the conversations of your world, but maybe it's it's actually affected your your employment. Maybe it's affected your finances. Maybe it's affected your relationship with your wife or your husband or your children or your parents or those in your circle in your neighborhood at your workplace, and maybe you just kind of feel that the walls are kind of closing in, and you're a little bit on shaky ground. Maybe you feel like the, 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 the most significant missiles in the artillery of the enemy has been launched in your direction, okay? I want you to know today, God is still in control. And it's good to know. And we kind of need to just hang on to that. We kind of need to invest ourselves into that and tether ourselves. Just drive a big God's in control stake in the ground and tether ourselves to it. Now, we can venture and run and play in freedom, but we need to be tethered to the fact that at the end of the day, God is still large and in charge, and He's still in control. So I just need to say that, all right? because I love saying it. I love reminding myself, all right? because sometimes my world gets a little bit crazy. Now, we saw in the first uh, 13 verses, we saw first that our provision comes from another level. And you'll remember in the historical narrative of Daniel that Daniel has been uh, uh, relocated from his home a thousand miles. Now he's 75 years into his relocation, into his deportation. He's 75 years a captive in Babylon. He's now an old man, probably about 90 plus years old, a little bit frail, starting to get you know forget some things. Okay, can't hear very well. The natural old guy. All right, but he's still sold out for God. And he hasn't missed a beat in the journey living for God. And so he has seen kings come, he's seen kings go, and at the end of the day, his God has still been on his throne. And so he's just been faithful to God and God has been faithful to him. Because he realizes things. uh, his provision comes from another level. Now the new king, the new leader is a guy named Darius or Darius. And although that's what he's called in the Bible, extra-biblical accounts don't really refer to him. They refer to a guy which I like. His name is probably Gubaru, but it's spelled like Subaru. So I call him Gubaru. And we call him Gubaru because that's why you wouldn't... If your name's Gubaru, put Darius or whoever you want to in the Bible. I don't want to be known as Gubaru for the rest of history, all right? And so Gubaru, Darius, whatever you want to call him, he's the leader And he comes into town and he begins to change things. But he notices something significant about Daniel that everybody notices. The words in the Bible is that he had a a special spirit about him. Yeah, he did. He had the Spirit of God on his life. And listen to me, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and, and seals you. He marks you and he takes up residence in you. You are a container of the Holy Spirit of God and it should come out. Okay, not just when the pressure gets on you and it oozes out, it should kind of radiate from you, that there's something a little different about you, that you're not in a line with the world uh, like everybody else. So your provision comes from another level. Also, we saw that politics are not new. As soon as Daniel is identified as the one to be appointed as prime minister of this new Medo-Persian kingdom, okay, uh, the other guys realize, man, he's a ferner. Okay, he's an import. He's not one of us. And yet he gets the best job. He gets the best wages and he gets the best benefits. And so they undermine him. They begin to, uh, they, 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 they conspire against him to bring him down. Okay, and so in the story, what, what they do is they go and they begin to look for a reason that they can find fault in him. And this is so cool. It says they looked and looked in his life. They couldn't find anything wrong in his life. What a testimony, man that when they bring out the big guns, the detectives, you know, everybody who can find out any information and they can't find anything on you, what a testimony of a life well lived. And that should be our goal. That should be who we uh, who we aspire to be, and that is people without fault because the Bible says we're supposed to be perfect like God is perfect. And so then we move from politics not new. They're after Him, and they come up with a plan, and they say, here, King, listen, There's a guy that you have appointed to be prime minister, the chief of us all, and he worships a different person. He doesn't worship you. He prays to a God out there somewhere. His God, Jehovah. He prays to him every day, and he's not not leading the people like like he should be. So you need to write an edict or decree that says if anybody worships anybody other than you, they'll be thrown into the den of lions. And that's what the king does. And so third, we saw that peace comes from our patterns of living. When Daniel found out that he's going to be fed to the lions, the Bible says it's beautiful. It says he went home, he opened up his doors toward Jerusalem, he got on his knees and he prayed as, was, as he was accustomed to every day. This old guy is in his 90s. I, it's all I can do to get down on my knees and get back up. Yet he did it three times a day. Now listen to me. Here's what's beautiful about this pattern of life. If you have three standing appointments with the God who created you every day, He's waiting for you. Now here's what's great about that. If you pray in the morning, you say, God, this is your day. You've given me another li- a day of living. You've given me breath in my lungs. Help me live this for you. And then you live your life the first half of the day, knowing you've got an appointment with that same God at noon. When you go before Him at noon, you don't want to have a joke of a four-hour life, right? You don't want to have trashed that whole four hours. Now your 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 next appointment is, I'm sorry, okay? You want to have a good moment. And so when we have these moments fixed with God, an appointment with God, it changes the way we live in the intervals between those appointments, all right? And that's what Daniel did. He did it every day. He was accustomed to doing it every day. Okay, so now we're going to move into the second half of Daniel chapter 6, and the title is this, Keep... Moving forward. Tell the person beside you, just keep moving forward. You just got to keep moving forward because here's what happens in my life. I turn on the news. I watch the news. And if I'm not careful, I get bogged down in that. I have conversations with people and they remind me that the statistics... Uh, of the, the number of positive cases is going up and I, I can get bogged down in, in that. Or, or I hear of, of, of the whole world that seems to be upside down and with the new regime that's probably going to come in in January and how it's going to change and I can get bogged down in that. But as a child of God, I cannot afford to get trapped in the things of the world. I got to keep moving forward. And you need to keep moving forward. So point number one, this is how it looks in the life of Daniel as he moves forward. Here it is. Persecution is God's furnace for perfection. Persecution is God's furnace for perfection. All right? Now, I want to tell you something about persecution. You don't want to invite it, but you sure want to embrace it. Because when God allows you to experience some persecution or some pushback against your Christian life and the story that you're telling about God, He's using it to make you better, not bitter. He's he's using it not to hurt you, but to help you, all right? And so, just embrace that. Know that that's part of God's allowance. People say, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Sometimes it's it's God allows us to make us allows it in our life to make us better. Watch what happens here in verse 14. It says, "When the king heard this, heard what? Heard that he had been shammed and scammed. All right. Heard that he 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 had just he had just sentenced his number one asset to be fed to lions. All right. When he heard this." He was very upset, and he began thinking about what he might, how he might rescue Daniel until late afternoon he was struggling to find a way to rescue him. I mean, the king, he's toe up from the flow up. He knows he's messed up, and what can he do? We see law said in the Medo-Persian kingdom, and we'll find this out in a minute, when you, when you issue a law, you can't change your mind because it makes you look foolish. It makes you look like you didn't know what you were doing when you issued that particular law. So it says, then those men who came by collusion to the king and said to him, all recall, O king, that it's a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or decree that the king issues can be changed. Verse 16, so the king gave the order. And Daniel was brought and thrown into a den of lions. And the king consoled Daniel by saying, Daniel, your God whom you continually serve will rescue you. I mean, he's hopeful right here. He's hoping God will intervene. Then a stone was brought, placed over the opening to the den, and the king sealed it with his signet ring and with those of his nobles so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel. Verse 18 says, Then the king departed to his palace, but he spent the night without eating, and no diversions or entertainment were brought to him, and he was unable to sleep. Persecution is God's furnace for perfection. Now, in, in Daniel's life, there's a new king, and, and, and he doesn't want to kill him, but it happens because he's tricked by the people who hated Daniel, the people who were jealous of Daniel. And there's no turning back. He's made a commitment. Now I want you to understand something. This is, this is we can learn a valuable truth right here. We're looking at two individual men, two individual people, okay? King Darius or Darius or Guberu. And Daniel. Darius is a man of the world. He he doesn't pretend to have any relationship with God. He's a lost man walking in darkness, listening to the opinions of the people around him. On the other hand, there's this chasm of difference, a disparity there, and there's another guy, Daniel. Daniel is God's man. Daniel is a man who is saved. A man who walks in light. A man who listens to the counsel of God and His Word. A man who doesn't really pay that much attention to the opinions that are projected on him from others around him. Now here's the the beautiful thing about it is, they're doing what they should do. Darius is lost, walking in darkness. He's acting like he should. A lost man ought to act like a lost man. Daniel is a saved man, child of God, walking in light, He's acting like a child of God walking in light. Here's where the problem comes in. is when this guy, when this girl, when this person who claims to be a child of God walks around in darkness as if they're lost. And here's what happens sometimes in our world. you got people who are lost walking in darkness and they pretend then to be walking in light. In the church sometimes there's people who are not saved. They do not have a relationship with God. They've never allowed God to redeem them to make them right in Jesus. And so they pretend to be in light. And and a lot of times in the church, there's people who are saved, but their life looks more like they're lost. And here's where I'm going to go with this. Church, for the church to be who God birthed it to be, for the church to be the church that Jesus bled on a cross to create, the church, the people of it, those who make it up should live like they're saved. If you're saved, live like you're saved. Act like you're saved. If you're lost, have a good time. This is as good as it gets for you. If I was lost, I'd live like hell every day. Okay? I'd give it 100% all the time. Okay? I wouldn't have a family. They would have left me long ago, but I'd have a party. Okay? I'd be living the life knowing because this is as good as it gets. And sometimes we get frustrated with people And in reality, it's lost people living like lost people. You know what what I struggle with, what frustrates me most? Saved people who just refuse to act like saved people. They live more like the world than they do the kingdom of God. Now, notice Daniel's response when they're going to throw him into the den of lions. Did you notice it when we read it? Yeah, you did. There's not one. Zilch, crickets, nothing, no rebuttal, no debate. He doesn't say... You know, time out here. I'm not a bad guy. Okay. Time out. Not, let's not do this. Let's come up with another plan. He doesn't do that. He just quietly says, oh, okay, cool. He goes back and he prays and then they throw him, in the, throw him in the den of lions. Okay. Because he's not concerned about what men can do. He's more concerned about God. Let me tell you something. When this world becomes more afraid of God and His holiness and His perfection than we are what a scientist says, what a statistic says, what the opinions of man that are cast upon us say, this world will be a different place. Church will be a different church when we worry more about what God says than what man says. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm not just talking about the election. I'm talking about in our day-to-day disciplines. When we are more concerned about what God says through the Holy Spirit, the counsel of the church, and His eternal Word, than we are what the ways and the words of the world are, we'll be different people and we'll experience more of what this life is supposed to be. Now last week when Clark was preaching from James, he he had an interesting phrase that says, genuine faith demonstrates genuine proof of faith. That's good. A genuine faith, <coughs> it shows, okay? It just kind of comes out, okay? Like in Daniel's life, there's an extraordinary spirit. You'll, you'll see that all throughout Daniel chapters 1 through 6. There was an extraordinary spirit about Daniel. Sure there was. The Spirit of God, He is an extraordinary Spirit. And if you're a child of God, He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit and desires to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so your life should reveal some extraordinary Spirit in the eyes of the world. And it's the Spirit of the true and living God. I say it like this. You hear me say it all the time. Our lives need more walkie-walkie, a little less talkie-talkie that it should be a demonstration on the outside of what God has done on the inside. Now, also last week in James chapter 1, there was an interesting word that that Clark reminded us of, the word test, which is a silversmith uh, term where a silversmith would take little chunks of useless silver and he would put it in a crucible and he would apply heat to it. And then as it began to change form from solid to liquid, he would look in the crucible and he would see impurities floating out. And so he would take his iron and he would drag the impurities, the dross and the slag off the top. And then he would heat it some more, put it under some more heat. And then he would look in it and he'd still see some more impurities. He would do that until the moment when he looked into the crucible and the liquid silver had no dross and no slag and no impurities. And the silversmith could see his reflection in this liquid silver. I want to tell you something. That's what God desires in our life that this persecution that He allows in our lives sometimes for perfection, He's trying to get us to a place where, listen, we look more like Jesus than we do ourselves. Did you know that God's desire for every person that's ever walked on the planet is to conform to the image of Jesus? That's His goal. He doesn't want to make you better. He wants to make you more like Jesus that's the only way you'll ever get better. You can't find yourself, fix yourself. You, there's nothing you can do until you allow yourself to conform to the image of Jesus. And I'm convinced more than ever that that's one of the biggest problems in the church is that we just simply, we just simply don't uh, live for God conforming to Jesus as much as we should. And so here's what we, here's what we do. We realize that the things that come into our life, if you've got bad things happening in your life, oh, this is good. If you've got things happening in your life that you would not have written, scripted for your life, but it's happening, okay? And it's kind of got you sideways. We've all had them. If you've ever had something like that, you didn't write it for yourself, it just came upon you, and you didn't necessarily like it. If that's ever happened to you in the past or currently, raise your hand. Now, everybody look around. Look around. We ain't alone, okay? And here's the thing. If you didn't raise your hand, Church-wide, let's have a prayer for that person because they got one in the chamber headed in their direction and they're in the crosshairs, okay? Speaking of crosshairs, one of our, one of our young men here was, went hunting yesterday morning. He said, I think he said he had 15 stitches right here, okay? If, if a guy's been hunting, a girl's been hunting, they got 15 stitches right here, you know what happened. Bam! Scope right here in the forehead. So I want you to know that that's what's going on right now. Somebody's got you in the scope right there if you've never had a setback or an issue or some trouble. Now, I want you to understand that God has allowed that in your life. It's part of the furnace experience. It's it's a, a form of persecution. It's a form of trial or test to make you better. Okay? Now, in the middle of that, <clears throat> I want you to see, number two, that preservation is God's... Preservation is God's demonstration of value. God is the great preserver. He's really good at this. This is is like a strong suit, as if there's a weak suit for God. This is a strong suit. It's what He does well, and that is to preserve that which He loves, that which He ascribes value to. He will preserve or save or deliver. Now, watch what happens in the story of Daniel, verse 19. It says, "...in the morning, at the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up and he rushed to the lion's den." And as he approached the den, he called out to Daniel in a worried voice. All right. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you continually serve? Pause. Notice this. The king noticed something different about Daniel. He knew Daniel had a relationship with God. There's no place in there where Daniel is recording his sermon, where he's preaching a message. People just watched his life... And the king noticed that he continually served that God. It says, the one you continually serve, was he able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel spoke to the king. So calm, so peaceful. He says, oh king, hey, live forever. He says, yeah, my God, he sent his angel and he closed the lions' mouths so that they have not harmed me because... Because, because there's a reason. Because I was found to be innocent before Him. That whole continually serving thing, that whole I'm devoted to God and no other, that whole day in, day out, I am going to live for Him, that whole I don't care what the world says, I don't care what the world does, I am going to live for God, that whole as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. That's what Daniel says. He says, I was innocent before him. Then he goes to part two. Nor have I done anything to harm you, O king. Listen, when you live for God, no matter what the world thinks of you, you're not doing anything to harm the world. Sometimes when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world, they push back. They don't want to hear it. And they say, well, that's judgmental. They say, well, uh, why would you say such a, a, a bad thing? You just don't understand. Maybe you take a stand against some form of immorality and they say, well, that's just hard words to say. Who made you the judge? Listen, the greatest form of hatred you will ever show for anybody you ever meet is to not tell them the truth. And if someone is lost and they don't know God through Jesus' His Son, the greatest form of hate you will ever show or share with them is the absence of truth. We're called to tell the truth. And even if they don't hear it, we're called to tell it. And so preservation is God's demonstration of value. Now, He's been doing this for a long time, okay? I want you to know that maybe if you're in a rough spot and you don't kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel or you wonder what it's going to look like, I want you to know, you remember what we said? God is in control and keep moving forward. You just remember, God is in control. Keep... Keep moving forward with God. Preservation. Preservation is God's way. It's what He does. He's been doing it for a long time. Watch this. Let's just go back in time a little bit and just, just to look at how God treats us. All right? Noah, he was preserved in the ark of wood that he made with his own hands. Why? Because God was preserving mankind. You remember He's wiping away everything He's created. Okay? All of mankind, the animal kingdom, except for the ark and His family that He put in it and the two of every kind. Okay, He preserved them. We also keep reading for them. We find Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were given a baby at old, way past childbearing years. They were given a baby. Why? Because God was preserving this nation, this people that He promised to Abraham. Keep reading. We find Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery because he bragged about his fancy coat. You know what I'm saying? And they sold him into slavery. God preserved him, landed him in Egypt. He would rise to power. Why would He preserve him? Because he was going to send Israel to Egypt during a famine to find refuge. And Joseph would be in charge. You see, God preserves that which He ascribes value to so He can accomplish His purpose and His plan. All right? Let's keep looking. He doesn't stop there. Moses. Moses was preserved in a little reed boat lined with tar. His mom shoved him down the Nile River. Why? He preserved him so Pharaoh's daughter can pick him up. Oh, what a cute little baby. I want him to be my puppy. I'll take him home. And he took him home and raised him and cultured him in Egypt. Why? So he would be ready to be the deliverer for the nation of Israel from captivity after 400 years. God preserves that which he ascribes value to so he can accomplish his purpose and his plan. It's what he does. Watch this. Keep going. Rahab of all people preserved during the Jericho conquest you know the story on Rahab she's not the most uh, uh perfect person on the planet prostitute how would you like for God's word to record you your name the prostitute for all of eternity boy that's a, that's promising isn't it you know Joel loser it's in the Bible so I'm a loser forever okay I mean what, what do you do with that Here's what you do with that. God preserved her, Rahab the prostitute. He preserved her so she would provide refuge for the spies who came to Jericho. Ultimately, she's recorded in the New Testament as a picture of grace in the lineage of Jesus. God prescribes. Uh, God. Uh, God preserves that which he ascribes value to, so he can accomplish his plan and his purpose. Keep going. You got David. David was preserved before the giant Goliath. Why? So he could be the king of Israel. Keep going. Jonah. Jonah was preserved from all of his foolishness. God said, go to Nineveh. He said, I think I'm going to Joppa. And and we find himself on a boat, thrown into the sea, landing in the belly of a fish, getting puked up on the shore. Why did God preserve him? So he would end up going to Nineveh like He told him to. Why? So the whole city of Nineveh would repent. God preserves that, which He ascribes value to, so He can accomplish His plan and his purpose, it doesn't stop there. Get to the New Testament. John, he was preserved. They put him in boiling oil because of his testimony. It didn't burn him up. So what did they do? They put him on a rocky island called Patmos. Why did God preserve him and put him there? So he could, so he could receive the book of the Revelation, the future of of the church and Christians, all of the future. God, God preserves. God preserves that which he values so he can accomplish his plan and his purpose. It doesn't stop there. It goes on. You find Peter. Peter was preserved after denying Christ three times. What a loser. Okay, And he ends up being an evangelist. He ends up having books in the Bible. He preserved him to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Paul, Paul standing beside as they martyr, murder, persecute, and and arrest the early church, the people of what was called the way. And God preserved him. Why? Because he needed him to write. About two thirds of the New Testament. Look at this one Jesus, beautiful picture. Jesus dies. God preserved him three days dead in the tomb. God raises him from the dead, uh, lets him walk among men, revealing his, his new glorified life, ascends into heaven. Why? So he can give us, offer us victory over death, hell, and the grave. God preserves that which he ascribes value to, to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Listen, it didn't stop. Two thousand years ago, you ready? God still is has a desire to preserve you. He's preserving you. Listen, when He saved you, or if He hadn't saved you yet, when He saves you, He's preserving you. He's ascribing value to you. He sees you as significant because He wants to use you to accomplish His glorious purpose and plan for the world. Man, that just, that just kind of smokes me. That God, the one who whispered everything out of nothing at all, would choose to use me and you and us and this church for His plan, His purpose, something bigger than we can even understand. Listen to what it tells us in Psalm. Psalm 34, verse 7, it says, The Lord's angel, He camps around the Lord's loyal followers, and He delivers them. Isn't that good news? The Lord's angel, man, is around you every moment of every day. And, and, and to his faithful followers, what does he do? He delivers them. That is what he does. Now, now, in this story of Daniel, I just think it's awesome that no matter where you read in the, in the narrative, he's like an overachiever. You know what I'm saying? He's 15, he gets transported... And the whole time, he just keeps kind of rising to the top. He, whatever they give him, whatever the assignment is, he just rises to the top and becomes something special. It's because he, was, he continually served God. He had a pattern for living, which, which included three times a day praying. Uh, he continually served Him. He was sold out for God. It wasn't in and out. And that's how our life should be. Listen, I want to challenge you to get serious about your walk with God to step into the great unknown, to dive in headfirst with God and and see what God will do because He wants to use you just like He used Daniel. Now, thirdly, I want you to see, everybody needs to hear this, payback is God's job, not yours. Okay. Anybody ever had anything bad happen to you and you started thinking of ways you could get them back? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hands. Confession time. Okay, confession's good for the soul. Okay, good. We had about half of you confess. The other's still guilty because you ain't confessed it yet. Okay? That's what we do. Somebody does something bad to us, we start thinking, if you married, you know you've done that. I mean, I hadn't, but I hear about people who have. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get them back. Okay. They didn't show the love. I'm not showing the love. Okay. Now, I want you to understand something. Payback is God's job, not yours. And I know some of you think, payback is God's job? I don't know. Payback, that sounds a little like vengeful, like like revenge. Like, that doesn't sound very gracey. Okay. Well, there's two sides of God. There's Gracie, and then there's wrathy. okay? And so I want you to see something. God pays back. He takes care. He's got your back, okay? Somebody does you wrong, God handles it, okay? You don't have to handle it. Look what happens in Daniel's life. Verse 24 says, the king gave another order. He ain't finished writing orders. I like this one better. It says, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. Watch this. They, their children, and their wives, they did not even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Payback is not your job. It's God's. Now you say, well, man, that's kind of hard. It's like little boys and girls. I don't like that kind of scripture. Okay? God didn't do that. He just allowed it. There's no blood on Daniel's hands. Daniel went down the down in the lion's den said, Get me out of this kitty cat place. I'm allergic to cats. Get me out of here. We gotta go write another law. The people that started this stuff. I got a plan. I've been down here all night. I got a plan of how we're gonna get back at them. There's nothing. Daniel says, "Yeah, God took care of me. This is all good down here, King. You know, and I didn't. I was innocent before God. I'm innocent before you. Just let me out. It's good." So they lift him out and they write another law. Now, there's no blood on his hands, but the ch- how would you like, ladies? Your husband's a scoundrel and they kill you with him. That seems a little raw, don't it? Kids, how would you like that? Your daddy act like a fool? Okay, and now they're going to kill the whole family. Okay, that's what the Medo-Persians did. You see, they had a law that says when one person breaks the law, all of the family takes the heat. Okay, it's a lot of encouragement from the. I get a lot of encouragement from my wife, but if she knew she's going to die if I messed up, she'd be encouraging me, encouraging me a little bit more every day. All right? Now that's what happens in this story. Now in 2 Corinthians, I want you to understand, God's got your back. He's the judge, and we got judges in our world. We've got local judges, we've got federal judges. We've got uh, Judge Janine. We got Judge Judy. Okay, but if you old school, you had Judge Wampler. Okay, anybody remember him? Okay, he's old school. You get out of here. So we got judges, but I want you to know. At the end of the day, God's got your back. He's the judge. He'll take care of you. Look at at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done. Pay back. Pay back. There it is. According to what he's done while in the body, whether good or evil. Now let me pause right now. I want you to understand something. Some of you, if you're a believer and you're a student of the Word, you've been thinking, I thought I didn't have to do that. I thought that was all under grace. I thought Jesus fixed that on the cross. And now i got to go answer for it? Yeah, you do. Everybody, good and bad, saved and lost, get to stand before Judge Jesus. Now listen to me. It's okay. If If you're saved, if you're born again, if you've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, Jesus has saved you. When He raptures the church and He takes those who have died in Christ and He takes the church living and we unite with Jesus in the air, according to the catching away, we go back to heaven. We stand before Jesus one by one, and He shows us a a really fast-forward video of our whole life. And I think it's mostly just the bad stuff, okay? And the reason is this. So all of a sudden, when we realize that was me, I stunk. Jesus says, I fixed that on the cross. And we realize in that moment, I believe, all that Jesus forgave us of on the cross. So much I didn't know that I'd done. So many sins of omission, things I should have done and didn't. So many sins of commission, things I did that I shouldn't have. All of it buried and washed away in the blood of Jesus' the sacrifice enough to motivate me to want to worship Him for all of eternity. Isn't that good? You know, all erased. All, you see all of it. And you know, that you, you did that for that. I'm going to worship you forever. Where are we going next? Okay? Now there's another judgment for those outside of Christ that never received Christ for salvation. It's called the great white throne judgment. It happens at the very end. And it's where the dead who are outside of Christ and the living outside of Christ stand before judge Jesus because they want to be judged based on works. They want to say, you know what? I was better than I was badder. So you put it on the scales and I'll be fine. Well, it doesn't work that way. Everybody... Everybody that makes it to the great white throne judgment, the answer is already fixed. Separated from God in a place of torment for eternity without any more options. And so there is a judgment. Now watch this if you're not convinced. Acts chapter 17, 31 says, Because He has set a day on which He is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He designated, having provided proof to everyone by raising Him from the dead. Jesus is the judge. Look at this one. John 5, furthermore, the Father does not judge anyone, but has assigned all judgment to the Son. Jesus is our judge, and payback is God's job, not yours. Now, I'm going to share a story in here that the other, the other services didn't get. So you get to that. I'm not going to charge you, okay? Let me tell you what payback looks like. I'm going to tell you a terrible story, okay? And I didn't ask for this. But this is what happened, and I believe, that's, I believe this is why it happened. When I was in seventh grade, um, I went on a field trip to Real Foot Lake, okay? And uh, we were just 7th graders being, you know, ignorant 7th graders. You know, one, 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 one of the boys in my class almost got beat up by a, a, a guy because he shot a moon to the guy's wife. I mean, 7th graders being 7th graders. Most of them, if they died in 7th grade, they'd just go to hell. I'm just saying. Okay, well, y'all didn't laugh. Y'all so serious. Try to lighten it up, okay? I'm sorry they're not all going to hell, most of them. All right, so now, here's what happened. So that night, there's a kid in my class. We had lights out at 12 o'clock. There's a kid in my class, and he, his dad was an alcoholic, and he had a rough life, really rough life. That night, he had cigarettes. He burned the bottom of my feet with cigarettes, okay? He burned the bottom of my feet with cigarettes, okay? Now, I'm telling you, man, that's wicked, you know? Well, you should have done something about it. Let me tell you something. If somebody's burning your feet with cigarettes, you don't want to fight with that guy. He'll chop your head off with a spoon, okay? Okay? You don't mess up. I just, you know, freak me out. So we're in seventh grade, right? I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was 10. I knew something was wrong. With it. I felt something. I, I felt the evil of that whole thing, okay? And I felt like, I mean, in, in my spirit, even as a middle schooler, I felt like, man, God's going like, to punish that because I'm, I'm God's child. I ain't perfect, but I'm His child in the ninth grade because he had terrible parents he went to a party ninth grade on a motorcycle he'd been drinking he was going home four o'clock in the morning in the ninth grade drinking on a motorcycle ran off at a bad curve laid in the cold grass all night long got double pneumonia i'm telling you the truth he died He was in the hospital about three days and he died and as sure as we're standing here i felt so bad because i thought that was my fault because It was judgment on his life and on his family for what was going on. But he was protecting me. I didn't want him to die. I just didn't want him to do that to anybody else. Well, he didn't. Okay? Payback is God's job. He'll handle it. You don't have to worry about that. He'll take care of it. Now, here's the thing when God delivers you, he's not really, he doesn't really get excited about him doing great things. The fact that he told the lions in the den, listen, don't. Don't eat this old skinny old man. He's just old bony man. He's not gonna be too good. Give me a day or two, I'm gonna send you a whole family. You know, I mean stuff like that. You know, that God does that kind of stuff. Just but he doesn't get he doesn't get personal glory from that. It's just who he is. Listen, where he gets glory is how we respond to the great acts on our behalf. You see, when He does great actions on our behalf and, and we just testify about that and it moves us so we live differently based on what He's done in our life, that's when God gets glory. That's when God, get, God gets excited. I really don't think God gets excited just being Himself. Whoa, look what I just did. Okay? Oh yeah, I'm God. I'm supposed to be able to do that. Okay? I think He gets excited when we respond to the greatness of who He is, who he is in the obedience of our life. Number four, prosperity is god's to give i'm not a i'm not a prosperity gospel preacher i don't believe you know if you give ten dollars you're going to have a thousand in your bank you might it happens okay i I don't believe if you you know if you give money that you know you're going to be healthier than your neighbor and have all the i don't it happens but i don't believe it's god's to give prosperity is god's to give now watch what happens Verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, language, groups who were living in all the land, peace and prosperity. Man, he's changed. This guy has been blessed by a man walking in the blessing of God named Daniel. It says, I now have issued an edict that throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, people are to revere and fear the God of Daniel. What a day it would be when God's children feared and revered Him. Go on, it says, for he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His authority is forever. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered, prospered, was successful during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God pros- Prosperity is God's. To give. Now, uh, King Darius has changed. He's got a whole new outlook, outlook on life. And where'd he get it? He got it from watching Daniel. And I want you to know the world needs to look at your life and be moved and changed in their perspective of God based on looking at your life. Here's a guy in his 90s, 75 years captive in Babylon, now in. Medo-Persia he's been made a eunuch renamed reeducated and yet one day at a time he just kept moving forward and I want you to know today that when we keep moving forward regardless of what the world cast against us we'll be successful and we will experience prosperity and if it doesn't happen on, on this side of eternity, He takes care of it on the other side because God is just that good. James chapter 1, verse 12 says this, Happy is the one who endures testing. Not happy is the one in the middle of testing. Happy is the one who endures testing, who comes out on the other side and says, Glad I'm on the other side, but I'm better for it. You see, you don't understand how good good is until you understand how bad bad can be. I remember when I went through that terrible season with my back and had to have those surgeries that I hurt so bad that when I got on the other side, it felt so good just to finally feel good. You know, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you get on the other side, you're like, whew, it's good to get over here. And you get happy because you realize God has has preserved you, made it through. He says, because when He has proven to be genuine, He will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love Him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. It's important that when we look at the life of Daniel, that we have an excellent spirit in our life. And today all of us spend seasons and time in our own little lion's den. It may not have cats in it, it may have depression in it or sickness in it it may have financial difficulties in it it may have relationship trouble in it it may have wayward children in it it may have parents who can't think straight anymore in it it may include job struggles it may include uh, lies it may include slanderous words from people that we work with they're common to everybody but god will get in the middle. Of our den to deliver us maybe you're here today and you hear this talk about god but you just can't seem to connect the dots you just can't seem to get to that place where you really truly feel like you're a child of god maybe you've made prayers before maybe like tear and maybe even baptized before but there just was something missing well maybe on this day the holy spirit of god is beckoning is calling is reaching out to you and inviting you into the kingdom And maybe on this day it's your day as scripture says for salvation maybe this is the day that you would just simply before god raise your hands and say Woe is me. I know now how sinful I am. And I feel you inviting me into your presence. I confess my sinful condition. I repent of my sins. I want Jesus the perfect one and His sacrifice in exchange for my brokenness. Come into my life. Save me. Let me start new Make me white as snow in forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit and help me live for you in fearful reverence from this day through all of eternity. And I will be forever grateful. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving somebody like me. Now for the rest of us, maybe we're saved and our prayer just needs to be, God, I've messed this thing up. Help me live for you like Daniel, continually serving you. Help me live like Daniel with patterns of living that include prayer every day and studying your word and living boldly for you. Help me be that person, the one that Jesus died to save me to be. and I'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. Father thank you thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this amazing man of yours, Daniel. Thank you for demonstrating through him how we can live our lives for you. We give you praise, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.